Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome everybody inside the Celtics Life Podcast, deep from the doldrums of summer. We fired up the pod to give you a periodic update on what little moves are still going on in the league right now, uh, this offseason, um, particularly with relevance to the Celtics and Boston. Um, but since we last recorded, the regular season roster has more or less been set, and the uh, full slate of regular season games has us chomping at the bit to get the season started. Uh, since we can't make that happen any sooner than uh, it actually will happen, uh, why don't we dive into the pod and uh, do what we do know? Uh, I'm Mark Allison here with my man Justin Quinn. Justin, what's up? Man, it's been a crazy couple of weeks, not for basketball, but for us. Yeah. So in all, in all, uh, so we've taken a couple weeks off. Obviously, you guys have noticed. Uh, we thank you guys for sticking with us, coming back, listening to the pod now. Uh, since the last time that we potted, I, uh, my wife gave birth to my uh, my son, little Marcus. Uh, Justin here was married in a crazy, awesome, beautiful wedding, uh, down in Mexico. Um, so here we are dusting off the cobwebs of our NBA brains, um, because we love you guys so much. We wanted to give you guys, uh, you know, a podcast cause it's been so long. Um, anyway, so, I mean, let's d- dive right in. Um, the regular season roster is out. Justin. Major thoughts? Anything uh, crazy, surprising about about the new season schedule? Okay, so my biggest complaint, and I wrote about this when it happened, is really just the, the league was kind of uncreative with some of its more marquee matchups. I understand that it's a very rare occurrence to have a West Coast team play an East Coast team on opening night, so I can forgive them if they passed on Golden State, Boston, which to me, you know, I'm biased, obviously, but it seems like the most natural matchup that you could have to kind of set the tone for the season, really. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, failing that, I would have gone with something like Toronto and Boston because, in my mind, they seem much more likely, depending on how the whole Kawhi Leonard thing, which we can get into briefly in a minute, uh, ends up panning out. But they they teamed us up for not just Christmas – or not just uh, opening night, but also Christmas uh, Day, I believe. Uh, was it Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? Um, with the Philadelphia 76ers, and as much as I am impressed with how they are coming along, I don't really think that's going to be as exciting of a matchup as they could have come up with for the East, probably marquee team. Uh, what do you think? Are you are you saying they're not on our level, Justin? They, I mean, their their starting five is almost <laughs> on our level. <laughs> no, hey, hey, we saw what just happened in the playoffs, right? So. We're getting Gordon Hayward back. Uh, they're getting Markel Fultz and his jumper back, I guess. Maybe. Um, uh, that remains to be seen. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, I, it doesn't shock me that we got the 76ers in one of those matchups. I actually don't mind the opener. Um, I was really, really hoping for Celtics-Lakers on Christmas Day. Um, anybody that follows me on Twitter knows I was, I was chomping for that. 
Um, that's a little disappointing. I think they kind of missed uh, a way to renew that rivalry either way uh, with the opener or the Christmas matchup. Yeah, so, I mean, that's another direction I could have gotten into. And, you know, frankly speaking, you know, we, we've, we've talked about this before, but at least for now, the way they're currently constructed, they're not ready for the Celtics. And I don't mean to sound, you know, like super green teamy here, but this is this is a team that could conceivably have as many as five All-Stars to a team that's probably only going to have one. And why I'm just as excited as you are, to see it for probably all the wrong reasons for anybody but a Celtics fan whooping on LeBron uh, and the Lakers, you know, kind of you know, two and one. It's going to be nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have plenty of opportunities to do that yeah. in the regular season. I don't know about the postseason. Uh, that's basically an impossibility at this point. But uh, yeah, I really feel like the the, the league scheduling was kind of I don't know, just underwhelming. I mean, the only other big games that that. I think I'm really looking forward to seeing how we, we match up with against Houston, which I think we played three times. And I'm, I'm kind of mm-hmm. interested in this new look OKC uh, team. We're not going to play them, I think, more than three teams either. But, you know, we've got 27 national TV games, and 18 of them are going to be against teams like that, Golden State, Milwaukee, again, the 76ers, Lakers, uh, the Wizards. Um so, uh, I don't know. I think it could be kind of interesting. I'm curious to see how the Wizards are going to be looking, too, uh, now that they have, you know, D12 on the roster, whether that's going to make things better or worse. Uh, I think worse. But, you know, they could turn out to be, you know, at least a top four team in the East if things go right for them. Yeah. I mean, and I think you skated over the 27 national TV games there, but... Uh, I think that's a big, huge, I mean, the Celtics have arrived. I, I don't know how many national TV games we had last year off the top of my head, but just oh, thinking about it, that's a, a third of a game short of being uh, the uh, a one-third of the season, you know? So uh, pretty pretty, pretty wild um, that, you know, I, I, NBA understands that this team is, uh, you know, serious. I, and I think it's good for the league when Boston has a great team. I think that's almost with any sport, given the Boston sports culture. Um, so I think it's it's great. Um, the Lakers having LeBron, I think, is great for business, too. Uh, remains to be seen how well they're going to be. But at the same time, uh, LeBron puts asses in the seats, and certainly will do that in L.A. Um, yeah, so some of the other matchups you were talking about, um, I, I, I'm particularly interested to see how the Celtics-Raptors matchup goes. Um, new look Raptors in terms of Kawhi being there instead of DeMar and uh, new coach. So uh, that'll be interesting. I mean, we, we know they had a solid squad last year. So Kawhi is better than DeMar DeRozan. So they should be better improved, right? You would think. Um, uh, but, you know, I mean, but Dwayne Casey did a good job there. So we'll see what the new coach, coaching staff, you know, how that works out, but uh, I'm definitely interested to see that. That's a potential playoff series for sure. Um, so, um, so some of the stuff we were looking at here, it, it, the, the Celtics have a, a pretty easy first half of the year, at least up to the All Star break, right? I was reading something about this. Um, what, what's that? What's that early schedule like? Well, I mean. On paper, you might think that it's not going to start that easy because none of the first 13 games are going to be away games, but most of them are teams that Boston should beat. There's not too many teams in the league that I think you can you can say at this point are even better than a coin flip for a loss, which is a really nice feeling 
looking into this. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, barring a return of the hospital Celtics or some horrible knock on anything vaguely resembling wood, um, but generally speaking, there is a very good chance that the, the Celtics could start out the early season on a tear, mostly because it's heavily East teams start the season. They don't play uh, more than a handful of West Coast games until very close to the All-Star break, uh, and almost all of the games in the West Coast fall after the new year or so. They could be they could be rivaling the 08 Celtics in terms of a start. Well, that would be that would be awesome, and we know how the uh, 08 Celtics uh, finished their year. So uh, a good start could mean a good finish too. We'll see. Uh, but the um, yeah, so the um, I think it was what nine of the first thirteen games are on the road. Um, that's kind of a tough you know start, but I, I don't think this is a team that's gonna like you said, struggle versus just about, I mean, what, how many teams are we talking about that are really um, going to be more like less than a coin flip, right? Yeah, there's, there's really not too many teams to worry about in that early stretch, particularly now that we we, we have a good idea of, of what the roster is going to be. And honestly, there weren't a lot of moves to be made with this roster, you know, earlier in the summer, the, the biggest question marks about whether or not we were going to have the pieces to really challenge for a title in Baines and Smart, that was settled, you know, in the last podcast uh, several several weeks ago. At the, Baines pretty early. Uh, we get the last news about the roster, and it's on the other end of the roster, really. We, we said goodbye to, to Abdel Nader, uh, who we dealt to Oklahoma City for Rodney Purvis, which I'm sure you know got me really excited uh, until I checked in on how he'd been doing with Oklahoma City. And, man, I mean, you know, like I knew he was going to take a step back going to the pros, but, like, he had, like, a, a, a 250 overall uh, field goal percentage, which is, well, I don't need to tell you. <laughs> Not great. So, the main reason for that was he was uh, non-guaranteed and similarly waived, which even though Abdel's salary was only guaranteed for about a half a mil, a little under a half a mil, uh, I saved him an extra half a mil too, mm-hmm. which puts them in striking distance to get under the tax if they don't start the season the way they think they're going to. I don't think that's a very likely possibility, but I mean, they're basically like a yabu and change away from getting under the, de- uh, under the tax line which could be super important in the future. You know, we talked about that yeah. a bit too, uh, in the last podcast, so I won't go too crazy about that. But um, besides that, there's not too much else going on uh, with, except for this, you know, whole uh, 76ers-Boston rivalry, which I, I think we agree is kind of uh, a little premature. Though if, sh- if Fultz, Markel Fultz, uh, if his shot's, you know, actually there, what do you, what do you think? Does this even impact them considerably, or does it just give them like the equivalent of an organic, you know, interior replacement for like an Ilsan, uh, Ersan Ilyasova, or Marco Bellinelli? Well, I, I think I think obviously Fultz is the potential to be more dynamic than both of those guys. Now, granted, uh, you know that last year was not a great year for him in terms of lots of things, uh, the jumper, the injuries. Um, that he's got, he had that, uh, basically that, that Philadelphia, uh, rookie, uh, snake bite, whatever, whatever happens to every rookie that they have there. Um, they either don't play or they're not great. Um, so, um, 
Yeah, I mean, uh, look, when, when when the Celtics, when we were pretty certain that the Celtics were going to end up with Fultz, when we had that number one pick, at least, you know, we, we it seemed like that was going to happen. Even though they had a plethora of point guards at the time, we had IT, Smart, and Rozier. Um, everyone thought we were taking him until, what, week and a half before the draft there, the big deal came. Um, I, I thought that he would have been a great boost for our team last year with that like a, a potential score off the bench, like um, even though we had like the starting lineup set, or at least we thought we did. Um, I, I still think that he's, he's got the potential to be dynamic. I mean, he's been working with Drew Hanlon, right in the off season. Um, ideally for them, if he comes back and, and is the player this year that we thought he was going to be last year, I think that is a, I think it's a significant boost. Um, He's a guy that can get to his own shot off. Um, he can score, um, get to the rack. Um, I, I just, I, I think he's an exciting player. And, and I think with all the youth that they have, they probably do take a step forward. And it wouldn't shock me if they end up being the number two seed to us in, in the playoffs. I, I mean, Toronto, yes, is going to be good. We don't know how different they're going to be with Kawhi um, or exactly how well that's going to work out. There's some other good teams that are going to take step forwards. The Pacers look like they're going to be pretty good. Obviously, Cleveland falls off the map. Um, so there's some room around there to move around, but it, it really wouldn't shock me if the, the Sixers end up as the number two team in the conference. Let me ask you, what do you envision, assuming everyone is healthy and able to perform as you would expect them to be able to, what is your seeding of the top four in the East? All right. Um, this is I, – I got the Celtics with the one seed. Mm-hmm. Um, that's 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 a lock to me, um, granted, you know, health-wise. Um, this is where it gets tricky. I'd say the 2-3 is Toronto-Philly. Um, and then Pacers-Bucks. I, I would go mm, – and then uh, Pacers, Buck, flip-flop for the 4-5. I don't know. See, for me, I actually think the Bucks are going to be sneaky good this year, particularly now that they have a decent coach. I do think that if they actually had a coach who knew how to do substitutions correctly, rotations correctly, they very <laughs> likely would have beat us last year in the playoffs. So for me, I think it's much closer for the Bucks and for Toronto in the number two slot. And then, you know, I'm just going to put the the uh, Raptors um, in, in number two spot just because I think Kawhi is going to be, if healthy. He makes them that much better. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely, they're going to be a better team. Even I even think. if Nick Nurse is only good at strategy and sucks at ego management, uh, there's been rumors that he was the main brains behind the shift in play that drove Toronto's success last season, which I, I think is probably pretty reasonable. Uh, Dwayne Casey strikes me more out of the mold of um, Doc in terms that he is he's really good at making player you know, manager. Yeah, so I mean mm-hmm. they can both be good coaches, good at different things, and even if if Kawhi is something of a malcontent he's only there for a year so i don't think he's going to go too hard with that the way he did in san antonio for example right um so for me yeah and coming off that end of that year he's coming you got to think he's coming full steam this year i mean if nothing more than to make a huge yep, statement absolutely right? and 
I think that Philadelphia can can challenge either of those two teams, and possibly even Boston, depending on the moves that they make uh, before the trade deadline. But they absolutely have to find a way to get a bench because they have nothing. What, I mean, I, I can't even think of a player on their bench apart from Amir, who resigned with them, and, and like he might be their best bench player at thirty three. I think he is now, uh, and we saw how slow he was with us two seasons ago. So, so Kyrie and Gordon. Looking ready for uh, uh, look like they both should be ready for uh, for camp. Uh, any thoughts on that? Um, we've seen uh, we've seen some videos of Gordon mashing some dunks, so uh, clearly that ankle is looking pretty fresh. There's two things that I think of uh, when when dealing with this. I don't think we should expect uh, Kyrie to be leading the show at the start of the season. I, he may be starting with quotation marks around starting, but. I would expect to see a lot more Rosier early just because of the fact that that knee may not be quite up to speed. You know, he might be able to play NBA games, mm-hmm. but he might not be – he might not quite have the, the first – Maybe 20 minutes a game. Yeah, and just like kind of like work his way into it. And that could be a potential flashpoint, but I kind of suspect it's not going to be. I kind of mm-hmm. I kind of think everybody understands what's going on with that. And then on the other side yeah. of the coin uh, with Gordon – He's going to be fine on offense, but the, with, with the kind of injury that he's dealing with, I think he's going to have a little bit more trouble defensively. Uh, so he may actually not see as much time early in the season while he works his way back into defending shape. Because he's going to have a lot more trouble with lateral movement, say, than necessarily like mm-hmm. a first step or that kind of an injury to his ankle. So those are the only two real things I think of. Uh, just expect, uh, particularly in the first half of the season, those guys to be – at or under 30 minutes a game, particularly earlier in the season where I think it's going to be closer to what you said, 20 minutes a game. But I don't think that's going to last very long, and I don't I don't think there's going to be any kind of real impact for it in terms of chemistry, uh, barring some amazing performances from the young guys. Right, and, and the Celtics are in the luxury of being equipped to, to deal with this kind of a situation. We've got the depth, uh, clearly. So not not really uh, a huge concern. Uh, those guys, I expect them both to be starting. And like you said, uh, the minutes maybe will be monitored early um, just to ease them back in. And I think, like, you're right. I'm not so concerned with Gordon in terms of the injury and his movement, but in more in terms of getting back to game speed, particularly defensively, like you said. Um, just, you know, the, you know, when you're practicing – Obviously, these guys are going hard, but then when you're going up and guarding guys like LeBron and these quick, big, huge guys that move, uh, probably takes a little while to get back up to that speed covering those kind of guys. But I, I expect him to be the elite defender in short time uh, when he gets back. Um, uh, other offseason news, uh, our new guy, little Bobby Williams, Robert Williams, bought an apartment two minutes from the Auerbach Center. So uh, maybe this is... Uh, Case of uh, he's not going to be late again. What do you think, Quinn? He'll find a way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I wonder if that came with uh, a suggestion from Team Brass. Like, oh, look at this available apartment that you should uh, probably uh, get yourself into. Yep, that's the feeling I get. And, you know, that's fine. I, I, he can work his way into pro shape while everyone works their way into game shape because nobody's really expecting him to contribute too, too much. I mean, a rim-running big on this team – doesn't really fit the style of play, but I mean, it, it could work out as a second unit option, uh, particularly playing against teams that, you know, require a little bit more mobility, you know, Houston being, you know, with a rim running bigger, bigger mm-hmm. their own, uh, being one of those teams. 
But, you know, I think at this point in time, they're, they're just going to invest a lot of effort into making sure he gets plenty of time uh, with a big club. Not because he's going to see more playing time, but I think they just want to make sure that he gets instilled with the right habits. He's saying all the right things. We haven't heard anything else scary from him. So I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think he's a great insurance policy for uh, a Horford or a Baines goes down for any stretch of time during the year. Um, you know, it'll it'll give him a chance to to get in there and bang around. I think when you play the teams with the bigger guys, you play a Dwight Howard or you play against uh, a Joel Embiid, it's six extra fouls you can throw at him from a big dude. So, um, it, you know, he'll he'll be useful for sure in those. I'll be interested to see if he does any does play at all uh, in the G League, but. Um, if he does, I, I would think that it'll be limited. Um, I think you're right. I think they want him around the big club and, um, learning from those guys, especially Al. Um, so, uh, our, our old buddy IT on the, uh, in the news again, uh, for calling Cleveland a shithole. I think this was in an Instagram, uh, live, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Or maybe Facebook live, but one of those, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, he just can't seem to uh, get out of his own way with this kind of stuff. I I, I take it like, obviously, I, IT has some ill will to the Cleveland situation. What happened there? Um, I don't blame him. Yeah, He's no, I mean, uh, he felt like he rushed himself back um, to help them. Things didn't quite work out. They shipped him out of town real quick. Um, whether that was LeBron, whether that was Cleveland, I mean, LeBron was essentially the GM of the Cavs right there. So I, I, I think you could shift most of your ill will there. But um, in any case, uh, IT apologized for his comments. You know, I mean, what are we, you know, is this really a, a big deal at all? I don't think so. I mean, every person, I have family that live in Cleveland. I have friends that live in Cleveland, and they are all very happy to admit that the land of Burning Rivers is not the best city in the entire United States or even close to it, <laughs> you know, it's not their fault. Uh, I don't think IT was speaking to the city, though. I think he was speaking to the franchise itself. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, even even if he was talking about the city, like the people should not take it personally. It's not, you know, there's plenty of, of cities that are not exactly destination cities that have NBA teams. And there's plenty of poorly run franchises, so whichever way you want to take it, you shouldn't take it personally. There's plenty of good things about Cleveland. There's plenty of good things about IT. I mean, and since he's coming from such green pastures in Boston, I mean, any other city really doesn't compare. So, I mean, really, <laughs> he was, you know, he was taking a down step one way or the other. Absolutely. Right? So, um, anyways, speaking of Boston, now we, we got this little segment today that uh, we've been talking about doing for a little while. And uh, since we're in the middle of the summer and there's not really much else to talk about, this seems like the perfect opportunity to bring it up. But we, you know, we, we get on our, in our uh, little uh, G-chat group, we get on uh, Topher, Luis, myself, Justin, our man Josh, uh, talking about uh, what, what, what would have happened if certain things had gone differently. You know, any one of these moves that we're about to talk about could have shaped the franchise in totally different ways. Um, so... Um, we'll go back to the first one that we talk about. Obviously, we could go all back into the history of the franchise, but it, as it relates to basically um, this team and how it's shaped, uh, the, the first thing that happened was Danny broke up to what we refer as the V-17s, which is the, the Banner 17 crew. And uh, they were broken up um, in 2013, the uh, the trade heard around the world with Brooklyn. Um, 
you know, we, they were kind of on the downswing those last couple of years leading up to that. Um, it, you can look at, you take a look at the records and you can see what happened. Um, you know, that final year, they finished 41 and 40. Um, it's, this was Doc Rivers' final season with the team. You could kind of smell the end. Uh, we know Danny said that he would never leave the team uh, too long. He always thought that um, there was mistakes made with the previous Celtics. They hung on for too long. Uh, clearly, he broke it up at just the right time because <laughs> the, the team was on the downswing, and he still got that hell of a return for Pierce and KG and Doc by extension. Um, you know, what What would have happened if they didn't? What if we rode out another year? Well, another year, I think it would have been survivable. I think we would have gotten a much crappier return uh, if we could even – I mean, it probably would have been even easier to convince the guys to to accept trades the way that they did. But in my mind, had they, had they really ridden it into the ground kind of the same way that the Bird era ended up closing out – the the results would have been much the same up to the point of hiring a moron like Rick Pitino to or, run your organization. So if we pretend that never happened, then I think, honestly, I think that the the rebuild would have probably started sometime around 14, 15, 15, 16, and, like in earnest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it would have been a cap space driven uh, rebuild, which, you know, with the way... The, the TV money situation ended up going, could have worked out to Boston's benefit, but it also might not have because, you know, then you get into the whole free agency conundrum where everyone's like, Boston's not a good destination for free agents. While neglecting the fact that Boston also didn't have cap space for them for the last three decades. Right. So it's really hard to see exactly where this would have went up, but the, you know, I'm going to kind of cop out a little bit here and say worse. Right. So I right. I think it would, would not. Obviously, we're not looking at Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Uh, they're not Celtics. Um, Marcus Smart. Uh, we, we, it certainly would have prolonged everything. We would have been probably set us back years. Um, but you know what? I think it would have. Now, obviously, it changes things with Brad, and we'll get to that mm. in a second. Obviously, Doc probably stays if those guys stay. Um, but um, more interesting to me is how it would have affected the league. Now, because Billy King got hosed there by Danny Ainge uh, with all those unprotected first-round picks, those pick swaps, um, that we kind of landed in the perfect storm there with Mikhail Prokhorov wanting the Nets to be competitive do, uh, at all costs. Um, Billy King kind of getting forced. I would imagine that that wasn't entirely his idea, um, even though he'll always be the, the hatchet man, <laughs> the one that takes the axe for that. But um, – don't you think it would have, around the league, look at how tight people are with their first-round picks, particularly protections and unprotected, and I think that league woke up a lot, that trade um, woke up a lot of people that like, whoa, 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 look what could happen to us. Uh, and I think teams are m- less apt to deal their first-round picks without any protections or with, you know, you look at any pick now, everything is like top 10 protected, you know? Um, it's very rare that it goes anywhere, and I think that that wasn't always the case before that. At least it was more frequently that you could get your hands on stuff like that. So um, I, I think it, it that affected the league more, maybe even more so than the Celtics. 
I think that there's something to be said for that. I do think that the current situation with the value of picks being what they are is also an effect of the idiotic spending of 2016 and the the kind of yeah, that right the removal of the ability to do team building with cap space for most of the league. But I mean, that definitely did have a very significant effect, particularly with things like pick protections and you know there there's a lot of consideration about whether or not you know the pick swap move that was used to get around the Stepien rule. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware, that means you can only pick, you can only trade away a pick. You have to have, an easy way to say it is you have to have a pick to be in the first round at least every other year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and through that pick swap, there was kind of an end run around that rule, but not exactly. It's it still, you know, there's the original intent, so the league didn't do anything about it, which I think was the right move. But that's mostly because mm-hmm. of what you said, which is basically just teams learning from the example of Boston and, uh, and not making the, the stupid mistake of, of uh, you know, getting in their own way and, and kind of a very Ted Stepien rule, which is the, ironically, speaking of the Cleveland Cavaliers, the the worst GM in the history who was so bad that they created a rule for it to prevent other GMs from being as bad as he was. Yeah, right. So definitely ramifications all around there. Um, so, but as we were talking about, uh, Brad Stevens was uh, obviously a uh, Technically, by Doc leaving, it opened up the door for us to be able to hire Brad Stevens. Um, now, what if Brad had said no and wasn't interested in the job? Um, he's clearly one of the biggest reasons the Celtics are in the position they're in. Obviously, we've gotten great players, but he's gotten the most out of these players, and not just the the young players that we've gotten through the draft, but the players that we were able, the Jordan Crawfords and the people that we were able to get much more out of, um, for you know, just making the whole team more valuable. Um, Now I was thinking about this. What if Brad had said no? Now we'd be looking at, we were looking at, not we would be, we were looking at a rebuilding team with one star on it, right? Rajon Rondo. Um, You're not going to be bringing in, I I was thinking of like the also ran coaches, the Stan Van Gundy's and the, you know, the guys that have been around the block and, um, that would have maybe who was available. I was thinking about looking at all them, but it, it wouldn't, I don't think it would have been one of those guys because of we weren't in any shape to be a, considered a playoff team. Um, so we would have been looking at an assistant coach. We would have been looking at a, a Jay Laranga, maybe a Ty Lu, um, someone that the team was comfortable with. That would be my guess. I actually came to the same conclusion, though I came up with a very different personality for similar reasons. I mean, the people that you mentioned, one is an assistant coach who's on the team. One was an assistant coach who was with the team that went on to become Cleveland's coach. Uh, the guy I picked mm-hmm. actually grew up with the team and is the coach now for our arch rivals. Luke, I think, would have ended up being our coach. Because, uh, you know, I mean, he literally grew up running around the Celtics. Well, yeah. see, so maybe it, I'm, a, I'm a big Luke Walton coach fan. I think he's, I think he's a great coach. Um, at least, maybe not great, but a very good coach. Anyways, I think he's certainly um, he's a guy. Had we not had Brad Stevens, I certainly would have wanted them to kick the door on um, because uh, I think I think he's pretty good, um, and I think we'll we're going to see a lot of. Uh, granted, it's LeBron's Lakers now, but I, I still think uh, he's going to have a big imprint on that team this year. I do too. Um, but we'll we'll see about that. Um, so the next. The next major event, I suppose you could say, that happened was the Celtics traded Rondo. Um, They finished that year. Well, they traded Rondo. We ended up with uh, 
Jay Crowder in a first round pick, and then later ended up with uh, Isaiah Thomas. Um, what if they hadn't traded Rondo? How does the rest of that year shape out? Well, I don't necessarily think that it would have in and of itself, if you just eliminate what the trades led to, then I, I think mm-hmm. that we would have had a slightly better record. We would have had a slightly worse series of picks and it would have slowed the rebuild down. You know, I mean, most of this is, is pretty obvious stuff, but the really important thing to remember is we didn't just end up with IT, which is an amazing chapter of Boston's history, even if it ended kind of weird. But it's that weird ending that I think is the most important thing. And if we had kept Rondo, we would never have Kyrie Irving. So in my mind, that in mm-hmm. and of itself might just be the sneaky, most important move of the entire rebuild, which I was really, really pissed off. I remember exactly where I was. I was driving around Louisiana um, on the West Bank of New Orleans, uh, conducting interviews for the U.S. government uh, on the level of healthcare quality that uh, seniors were getting in the area. And I, I just quit doing my interviews for the day after that because I, I only had one left and I canceled it. And I, I was real, real pissed. And I just spent the rest of the, the afternoon like talking to people about it online. And, you know, in retrospect, I'm glad I was really pissed off that day. Yeah, I, I was a huge Rondo stand. I still am. I love Rondo. Um, I think, though, I think, though, that team was better with IT. Um, I, I think what happened there was, I mean, Rondo was kind of damaged goods at the time, right? Um, he had that injury. Um, I think he, I mean, he's never really been the same player since then. I mean, we've seen spurts of Rondo, Rondo. you know, yeah. greatness, but yeah, he's never really been the dominating force that he was those last couple years that he was with the Celtics before the injury. Um, so I think that we kind of got out on Rondo like at his pinnacle or just after it, and and we scooped up it as he was like perfect timing. like streaking yeah. streaking into his prime, and uh, I, I think it just uh, I don't think that could have worked out much better. Granted, uh, I was sad to see Rondo go. Um, now, so after that, um, we, uh, we, we did make the playoffs. We squeaked in that year, right? We only got swept by the Cavs, right, in round one. Uh, next year, we come back. Uh, we get to the playoffs again, a little bit better spot. We play the Hawks. Um, we lose to the Hawks in six games, I believe. Um, five or six, anyways. And I know we won one of those games because I was at it. Um, uh, so, and then we end up acquiring Al Horford in the, in the off season, uh, free agency. Now, um, obviously going forward, uh, I think that set the Celtics up as a destination, which led to Gordon Hayward, uh, and a happy Kyrie Irving to come here. Um, but beyond that, um, what if Al didn't come and what if Al came with KD in tow? Oh boy. That is hard to say, man. Like, I think if, if we just look at Al staying in Atlanta, I think that would have pushed the rebuild back. I think they could have retooled and stayed competitive, which would have made the East a lot tougher for Boston. Right. At a very bad time. If we, if we throw KD into the mix, oh, man, that is – it's really hard to, to – I mean, right, like – We might have a title by now. That affects the entire – We might league. have a title by now. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about – 
We, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's certainly possible. I mean, imagine, imagine Irving, right? Um, that following year, right? Instead of wanting out, well, he still may have wanted out of Cleveland, but not because they lost in the finals, but because they got swept by the Celtics <laughs> in, the, in the in the Eastern Conference Finals, yeah. right? And then, <laughs> and we still end up with Kyrie, KD. How, how would that work, right? Um, no, ser- seriously though, that that team would have been stacked. Um, that that would have been something. That's the first tier um, that, that you generated from uh, the what ifs here. The very first one. Well, I mean, and it, it 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 stops the Warriors from being this un you know unstoppable superpower. They were already a superpower at the time, but um, it would it would have evened out the league a little bit, you know? Maybe Houston would have won a, a championship by now. Um, but I, if anything, that's the one move I think you can look at where it, it would be sped under up control. So no reason for and too that's, bad about it. But think think about. Even forget about forget about Irving. If we had even it, um, you know, KD and Al Horford, that's that's a solid solid squad. And that was going into it's MVP year, so MVP candidate. You know, and he might never have ended up. So obviously, his, he doesn't get as sorry, many. He might not have. He doesn't get as many shots. But he but, might not have hurt um, his ended up hurting his still his, his hip at all, or maybe as much. He wouldn't have had to carry the entire team exactly. all year. Exactly. Right. He wouldn't have had to carry the entire team all year. So, um, anyways, so whatever that didn't happen, <laughs> we are where we are. But um, it, this is one we we talked about earlier. Uh, Fultz, we all thought we were getting Fultz for sure. What if the Celtics actually drafted Fultz? Uh, I don't think it would have been a disaster, but I would be sad. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think if you draft Fultz, you don't make that it for Irving deal, right? I would imagine. I don't, I don't know. know. It's hard to say. Yeah, I mean, like. Well, I guess if you saw him taking those jumpers in the you know summer league, you might rethink it and, and do it. But uh, but but if I mean maybe he doesn't you know get that trainer that throws his whole shot out of whack. You know if he's in Boston instead of Philly, I don't know. I don't know the whole story behind that. Um, but interesting. You wonder if maybe maybe they don't. If you have Fultz and you think he's your point guard of the future, you you kind of just ride out it for a few more years and then um, and then. Um, you know, a, a, like passing of the torch, right? Then you can use IT as a super sub, like two years down the line. I think there's a lot of different factories that could that could end up happening, and this this particular incident, I think, is so so close and so potentially monumental in in what it could mean long term that it's a little too soon to really judge it, particularly when you consider the fact that mm-hmm. not having Jason Tatum. Uh, it could really, it could really change the long-term future of this team in terms of its window, and it might have, it might have pushed the Celtics into more of a win-now thing where you consolidate assets and and then try to just get a title rather than a, a series of titles. So, I mean, I think the jury's still kind of out mm-hmm. on this one, but there's a, there's a lot of stuff in there to think about. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so then, uh, same off-season, Gordon Hayward stays in Utah, uh, signs with the Celtics. What if he stayed? Yeah, what if he didn't come? How does that affect? Um, obviously, that came before the Kyrie trade. You know, does that still? Uh, how, how does that? How does that change things? 
I mean, obviously, we played an entire season. Welcome to the Boston Celtics, Rudy we, Gay, is how that changes the season. Or somebody like that. Yeah, yeah for, 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 probably. Uh, but, like, really, really, that doesn't affect us last season. We went the whole season without him. We Hayward, might have right? even been better uh, last really, season. Really, I think that affects us yep. this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, we would have had Rudy Gay instead of nobody. Uh, but, <laughs> oh, jeez. But, but, um, Take no offense, Gordon. We're not saying that. <laughs> sorry, We're sorry, Gordon. In, but yeah. the, no, no, no. I mean that in the least, yeah, the least mean way. Yeah. But you know what I mean. Um, yeah. Um, but then again, having Rudy Gay, maybe that stunts the development of the younger guys that we actually got last year by Hayward being out. Um, even with Hayward last year, with Kyrie going down later in the year, we probably aren't, we're, we're not true contenders. You know, so really, if anything, you know, we can look at that grain of salt as much as we want. Maybe the injury worked out great because the young guys got a real chance to develop. It feels real weird saying that, but I mean, the more and more time passes and the more and more I see results, I kind of think that apart from Gordon and his, you know, bodily integrity, that might be one of the better things to have happened to the Celtics just because it gave them the opportunity and the space for that to happen. Uh, and mm-hmm. Without it being, you know, I mean, again, I'm not trying to minimize what happened to Gordon because we all saw it, you know, most of us while it was happening. And that was some gruesome shit. But ultimately, if it doesn't affect Hayward and it doesn't look like it's going to long term, it might actually have raised the ceiling of the Celtics for potential titles long term. And that's Mm -hmm. really important, particularly when you need to accelerate growth when considering things like the the long-term repeater tax that's going to start affecting them by getting this kind of jump start on growth you might maybe you know very huge asterisks open the possibility for a title just a little sooner before you have to start you know ditching talent to do something about the long-term financial mm-hmm. situation so um after that next big move was uh the it for Kyrie swap uh Obviously, IT was banged up. He was probably more banged up than anybody wanted to let on. Obviously, that that deal got held up um, because of that, right? So, what happened? You know, if we had IT last year uh, instead of Kyrie, you know, how does that work out? I, I'm personally, I think they probably would have punted the year. Essentially, not 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 to say, but it it would have been best case scenario for it because he wouldn't have had to rush back because the Celtics would have shut. Uh, you know, they they probably still could have made the playoffs, but they they certainly with Hayward going down, they certainly weren't gonna. We wouldn't have rushed it back like Cleveland did. Well, I don't even know if that would have happened either because you know it was Kyrie who threw the lob to Gordon. So in that universe in that timeline if you will uh i think that we keep gordon hayward for the entire year um and mm-hmm. terry rosier you know steps into uh it shoes with it coming back as you said gradually if you know and this is a big if too assuming danny doesn't trade him for someone else before the news breaks which i think is yeah. entirely possible you know since we can't really predict exactly what's going on with that one i think that we would have been in a situation roughly the same. I think that, you know, down Kyrie, not Gordon, down Gordon, not Kyrie, you get roughly the same mm-hmm. effect long-term in terms of, you know, win-loss record. And we might have even been a little bit better equipped to to go a little further. We might have even gotten into the finals. I don't think we would have won the finals, but I think we might have been able to get past the yeah. that loss. Here's a here's a hypothetical for you. Okay. 
what if the so what if what if they never made the Kyrie for IT swap, right? We still get Gordon, obviously, we already had him. Um, Gordon goes down in game one, same thing happens, right? Um, with now we now we don't obviously IT is not back. He wouldn't let's say IT sits out until mm, late February, March, right? Just to fully reheal. The Celtics are a borderline playoff team. Maybe they're like a six seed, right? Um, with the kids. And IT comes back and looks like IT from the season before. You think you think he gets his Brink truck? You think we're looking at like the hundred million dollar man? I don't think he gets the Brink truck, particularly because of the injury. But I do think he gets a hell of a lot more money than he's getting now, around twenty to twenty five million dollars a year. Okay, so that's a. I mean, that's a Brink truck though. Twenty million dollars a year. That's a Brink truck. It's thing. a small Brink. It's a. It's a. It's a Brink's pickup. It's a it's a Brinks like uh, carrier, you know, like uh, you know, it's the shorter distance truck or something. Um, no, no, I'm sorry, it about the short, <laughs> the shorter. <laughs> Anyways, he's gonna be living with that forever. Um, I'm sure he's used to it. Oh man, I hope he doesn't listen to us. <laughs> I don't think that. He'll know we love. Anyways, fair. All right. Anyways, but but like. Uh, if he, you know, if, let's say if he does that, and, and would you think he ended up with like a four-year deal for like eighty million at least from the Celtics? If if he if he came back and looked like at least eighty-five percent of himself, I think so. I think that would have gotten him the deal. I don't know if it would been a four-year deal. It might have been a three-year deal with a player option or something like that, just as insurance. But I think the, the dollar amount right, is right. definitely right, no matter how, what the length that they ended up settling on. So, I mean, that's interesting. If they hadn't made that deal, I think things definitely work out better for IT than they did this year. Um, so I, I really, and for, for IT, I, I hope that he comes back and has a monster season this year. Um, I love the guy. So that, you know, all that being said, hopefully he has a bounce back there. Um, now there's some other, speaking of Kyrie swaps, right? Um, lot of lot of play on in the media. What about swapping Kyrie for Leonard um, in the spring? I thought that was ridiculous. Your thoughts, Justin? Uh, I, I mean, most of our regular listeners and readers know that I wasn't a fan of that either, and not because I have anything against Leonard, just because of what it would take in most of the trades. Now, the Kyrie for Leonard one, and this is a favorite of Topher, uh, would have probably made the most sense in terms of. Uh, what was being exchanged in terms of level of play, if not positionally. Uh, I do think that they could have made it work. Uh, it would have been a little difficult. Uh, there would be some, some ball handling problems on the first unit. I think they'd be soluble, but I don't necessarily think they would have gone as smoothly as some people think. Uh, the problem is I am more convinced than ever that would have been a terrible, terrible move. Uh, I, there's already rumblings, you know, with Bruce Bowen getting canned with the, with the Clippers. Uh, in anticipation of Kawhi moving there, it might be just you know dreams on their part, or it might be you know an under the table agreement back channeled through people. So we could be in a situation where it's subtraction by subtraction uh, or trading, I guess you could say. Uh, I don't think that that would have been a good move just because of you know the real reasons I was against it the whole time, which is just you have no guarantees that A, you're dealing with the same level of quality of player with all the injuries, and more importantly, B, that those assets uh, in terms of the contract can just walk right out the door at the end of the season. There's another one that people were bringing up a lot, and 
It was it was pretty polarizing, equally polarizing, a lot shorter lived, uh, just because it never, in my mind, really made too much sense. But the whole idea of what if we had signed LeBron, that would have had to have been a sign and trade. Yeah. So how? Yeah. How would that work? I mean, who are we signing and trading here? It would have had to be either Al or Kyrie, really. And in that case, it's basically a Kyrie mm. swap because. You know, it might not be the case. Kyrie and LeBron could be still bestest buddies, and it could have been the, the franchise that was causing the friction. I kind of suspect that it was. But there was enough evidence out there that I think there was something to the fact that Kyrie didn't want to play in LeBron's shadow. Not necessarily because he had a problem with LeBron, just because he, he's a very good player and wanted a chance to make his mark, and I understand that completely. Uh, I think he's making mm-hmm. it now, which is, you know, side note why I think uh, him to the Knicks is ridiculous. But maybe not. You never know. Um, but what do you think about that? I mean, is, is there a scenario where that could have actually helped Boston and wouldn't have ended up, you know, hurting Boston in the long run? Like, say, maybe what, what if it was him and Al, for example? Could that even work? I don't know that that makes – I mean, don't get me wrong. Adding LeBron in place of any player probably makes the Celtics better, right? So we can't really say that it doesn't. Whether it's Al or Gordon or Kyrie, I think more it could hurt in right and in right at least in the short term. Right, they're a better team if he swaps out for any of those three guys. I don't think we can argue that. Right, uh, so if anything, it hurts the optics going forward. Right, if you traded Gordon Hayward after his never playing a game, <laughs> really a full game uh, for LeBron James, that's that's bad. Um, I think. Obviously, trading Al, I think, hurts the team. Uh, uh, but I think what LeBron would bring would, would, over, would overcome that, I guess. Uh, it would certainly make things different this year because then we'd be talking about one of Gordon Tatum or Jalen Brown coming off the bench um, because, obviously, you can't start LeBron at center, or, or can you? You know? <laughs> Um, I mean, they're talking about it in Los Angeles, but we're, we're going to see. I have some very big doubts, but you never know. I mean, I suppose you could start a lineup like that, but how long can you run with that lineup? More than five minutes, I don't think so. Um, um, yeah, so I, I don't know. Um, I, it's And then obviously the Kyrie, the Kyrie for LeBron swap would make the most sense, except for the fact that I don't think Cleveland wants Kyrie back after that whole mess, right? So, <laughs> no. Not on a one-year deal where he's just going to leave them anyways, right? So I don't know that that works anyway. But, I, I mean, LeBron does make the team better. I don't care what anybody says um, in place of any of those three guys, uh, at least for the short term, right? Um, but here's one that's sneaky, and this this actually could have potentially happened just because of what did happen. Almost did. Um, yeah. Boogie Cousins, DeMarcus Cousins, out of nowhere, signs a, a, what, a minimum deal, right? Was it vet minimum, or or was it? A, the, no, it was it, it, it was, was the MLE. I think it was the full. It was the mid level. Okay, so mid level exception with the Warriors, as if they needed any help, um, basically replacing the new Laker Javale McGee, right? Um, imagine if that was the Celtics, and apparently that was at least um, in consideration um, to do this, this same it. thing with Boston. Um, which, I mean, for Boogie, he kind of got a lot of heat for that because obviously you're already jumping on this loaded all-star team, right? Um, it was the only position they didn't have an all-star at, and now they do. So um, yeah, he could have had a lot better optics signing that deal and coming to the Celtics. Now, the Celtics would be throwing a much bigger lineup out there because uh, you know, you'd, you'd have Al and Cousins. 
Um, that, that's a big difference in the way the team operates. Um, but you can see why they'd be um, interested in getting a guy like that for that price. There is the big elephant in the room, and this is similar to Kawhi, but a much more serious concern with the ACL tear and the size and weight of Cousins. You know, he's a 300-pound guy, and guys on ACL, you know, we, we've discussed this in the pot before. The list of guys who come back, you know, besides guards, guards seem to recover all right from ACL tears, but, you know, big men, you know, wing like wings are bigger who recover from ACL. The list of, of successful ones is Rudy Gay. He's very popular today, um, <laughs> but the, uh, <laughs> the 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 likelihood of him being able to uh, able to play really kind of narrowed his options down to only a handful of teams. Uh, nobody was actually calling him from what I hear, just because of expectations of how long he he's going to need to recover, and really only the Celtics, Warriors, and maybe I don't know. He's even less necessary on a team like Houston. There's not too many teams out there who could have have him benched until March in a very Isaiah Thomas kind of a situation, recovering, and then have no guarantee that he will even be able to play well enough to be more than a second or third string kind of a guy with with the kind of mobility he's going to necessarily have, you know, being not able to exercise properly to keep the weight off when he's already such a big guy when he, in his normal playing shape. Um, so, right. I don't know. I think this is, out of all of the ones that we discussed, maybe the potentially least impactful positively for Boston had it gone through and gone right. Uh, because really, you know, with Golden State, he would be doing kind of a similar thing. Our offenses and defenses really are similar enough where he's only going to be good when you need some offense to overpower a second unit uh, or you have a team that plays a style of play, which any kind of a switching motion-oriented kind of offense uh, team, which really – you know, both teams are in terms of the Warriors and Celtics. He's not a good fit. You know, you can make it work, particularly with a coach as capable as either one's coach. But I, I don't expect him to be a positive influence outside of a very small handful of games that actually matter for those teams. And frankly, he, the potential for, for disruption for either team is so great that I'm very happy he ended up on the Warriors. Initially, I was as pissed as everyone until I thought about it, read about other people's opinions. And I'm, I'm firmly of the mind now that it's a very big wait and see. Take your circus to upstate California. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, guys, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Um, and we know it's a long summer and uh, we're just we're just as anxious as you guys to get back in. So we really appreciate everybody sticking around. Um, check out the links at the top of CelticsLife.com. We've got a huge variety of shirts and hoodies in the store. And you can even get tickets to the next game when you're heading because they are now on sale. Uh, you can find the pod on Wooshka, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and most podcatcher apps. Uh, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, be sure to rate us five stars. And if you don't like something or have a suggestion... Make sure to let us know with a comment on any Celtics Life article or on Twitter with the hashtag CLPod. We're always trying to bring you guys the Celtics coverage you want, the way you like it. So from myself and Justin, have fun in the summer. Only two months to go, guys. We are almost there. I keep telling myself that anyway. Take care, y'all. Yeah, yeah. Later. <laughs>
saving money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save 